Hey guys, welcome to the Easy Podcast. This is the first episode here. I'm Zach Abbotts and this is... Eric Thurston. And uh, we've been in the industry for a little while here and we love movies. We're nerds. We are probably nerds first, probably filmmakers second. And this is our very first episode. We're going to be going over just nerdy movies and big budget movies and every once in a while some independent movies that we uh, might be into or might not be into. So uh, this episode, we're talking about Marvel's 10-year anniversary. Yes. And uh, they got a film festival going on right now through the uh, IMAX program. And that's pretty cool. That's the first time I've ever seen anybody do this. But then again, I guess Marvel's the first to do a cinematic universe. Yeah. A little bit uh, about us before we get into it. Um, I've been doing this since, oh, geez, like 2007. I started off doing broadcast work for ESPN and Golf Channel. And then I went to full sale for film. And then I started working at a production house from 2010 to 2011 after I graduated there and started working at a church after that in 2011. And now here I'm at another church in Phoenix um, from 2015 to now. So that's where I'm from. Eric, what about you? Yeah, well, let's see. My journey has taken me from the Oscars starting back in 2004 and was there for four years then at Fox Sports. Uh, did a stint at Fox for seven years, then at NFL and different types of roles. And as well as during that time, did a lot of di- various roles on different film crews. Everything from photo stills on set to boom op to first AC. Worked on uh, two seasons of a GSN show, as well as a couple of independent documentaries and yeah, so it's been quite the journey. Yeah, why would you lead with the Oscars? How did you even get that that gig? How did I get that gig? I was doing actually web application development and helped develop, you know, kind of the web presence. And it was a live updated, like we were supporting the live broadcast. So when you would see the, the winners pop up, there's people in a back room somewhere updating that live. So, so this was in 2004? This is in 2004. Wow, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's, yeah. See, 2004 seems so long ago to me for, like, <laughs> internet life. Yeah. It seems, gosh, forever ago. It, you almost forget, like, the internet was around that long ago, even though it's not really that far. But because our lives have changed so much with smartphones now. Oh, yeah, it's and, crazy. And watching movies on your phone. I never yeah. would have even dreamed. I mean, I had dial-up in 2004, probably. Right, yeah. You know, and I'm sitting there trying to get the next, you know, movie poster to upload for, you know, what, what would have been does for like Harry Potter or something, you know, uh-huh. I don't know. But yeah, it just, it's crazy how much that technology has changed and, and how really that's kind of led into a lot of how the way movies are made now. Um, technology has influenced those a lot. Um, you look at some of the modern movies now using, um, just huge gimbal systems. I mean, they have the personal gimbal system. By the way, how was my segue there? That was pretty good. Yeah, that was smooth. Love that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So they have these huge gimbal systems, and, you know, they've been really made popular. Um, You know, Aries got the Trinity and and stuff like that, and the um, Stabilize was used on Guardians Volume 2 quite a bit. And just really incredible the things that they're able to do in movies now. And that kind of brings us to our first movie that we want to talk about, which is yeah. Iron Man one. Right. It's so, 2008. Yeah. yeah 2008, 10 yeah. years ago, yeah. this movie came out and I don't, I mean, little did it know it was just going to change everything. Right. I, I don't think people understand, maybe they do, but I don't think people really grasp 
how much this one comic book movie has changed every other movie that comes out. For sure. Or every other movie that doesn't come out because it's maybe not a comic book movie. Right. Huge, huge landscape shift in in the world. So Iron Man 1, 2008, the whole thing gets started. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, you bring up a great point with the technology. I think the 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 progression of technology, especially at that time, um, even with After Effects and and all the the things that we're seeing from CGI and computing power and all that type of stuff, we were really at that time poised for this major shift in the movie industry. And I think it's because of those te- that technology now we can actually visually realize the things that we did in our imaginations with these comics. And it looks realistic. And it looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 20, 20 years ago, you couldn't have gotten Iron Man. It would have been a weird PVC rubber suit. <laughs> right. You know, and, and it would have had some... Yeah, very some, Batman, some Batman and Robin, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It had to get to a certain point, I think, where it was... I mean, it was probably doable by ILM 20 years ago, but it would have cost a billion dollars. Sure, yeah. And the technology's really, really helped push these movies forward in a lot of ways. Because I think if if the technology wasn't there, it wasn't believable to look at, you know, this this god of thunder coming through the air, people wouldn't latch onto it. People wouldn't care. It would it would just be another Sharknado kind of <laughs> looking movie. Right. You know, right. that nobody cared about. But Iron Man one, you know, origin story. Yeah. Um, a little bit of history that I'm sure everybody knows about Iron Man One didn't really have a script when they started it. Um, kind of, you know, filled in some dialogue blanks as they were going. They had, I think they had a pretty rough outline of where they wanted to go, but they were just kind of flying by the seat of their pants. I mean... Awesome. I love it. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's crazy to think that it's now this huge multi-billion dollar franchise right. that's owned by the biggest company in the world, yep. um, directed by John Favreau. Yes. Um he got his big break with Swingers yep. back in the 90s. And then uh, his most recent big movie that he released, I guess, would be uh, Jungle Book 2016. Right, yeah. Um, and he's working on Lion King now yeah. for Disney. But the DP was Matthew Libatique. He is Darren Aronofsky's go-to. He's done a lot of music videos. And then his next movie that he's got coming out is A Star is Born, which is directed by uh, Bradley Cooper and starring him and uh, Lady Gaga. Oh, yeah. And I actually just saw this. They released a new trailer for it a little while ago. And it, it looks, I mean, it's a gorgeous looking movie. You know, we're going to talk about a lot of the technical aspects of these films more so than maybe story arc or anything like that. But having Matthew Libatique doing the cinematography for this, I think it helped bring it to a whole nother level. So then the editors, which this is interesting. Um, I don't often look up editors. I I think it's just something that we kind of just expect them to be good at what what they're doing. But then I looked at the editor for Iron Man and he went on to do a bunch of things that no one's really cared about. Yeah. Dan Lebenthal. So he's, I, I think he's one of this, probably the saving graces of this film it doesn't feel like a movie that was fixed in editing but the editing is it's just it's great every every moment in it it hits right and I think that it's cut together with the 
with the cinematography in mind as well, because there's a lot of cinematography in this that's blocked out to where you can have a single shot for a long period of time. There's there's a scene in um, kind of middle of the movie after Tony's back and Pepper Potts is she's walking down the stairs. She's on the phone and she's getting ready to tell him a bunch of a bunch of stuff that's you know going on with his business. And he's he's sitting at the hot rod and he's like tinkering with it, right? Yeah. Well, the blocking of it's great. She, she, you know, Tony's on the left. She comes down the stairs on the right. She's out of focus. You see her walking. And you know she's busy. You know you can tell already though because she's not so out of focus that you can see she's she's pissed off. Like she's just annoyed with everything that's going on. So you already tell her character mood. So right they, now, was that was that when she found all the files? At, right after she found all of. Uh, no, he, she's coming in with like. It's the hey, you want to buy this car? Oh or, yeah, yeah. Wanna, the the, the buy, painting or whatever yeah, it was. Right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Buy it, store it. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. So it's that scene, but the blocking in it is great, to where it can be all one take for the majority of the scene, and then it doesn't cut to another angle and another setup until Tony moves. So once Tony turns around in his little mechanics chair, then the cut happens, and I think it's just a great movie to look at for blocking and that's an end of, that's going to be a common theme of what I'm going to talk about because I feel like the blocking in these films is just incredible it's it's a movie where the directors and the DPs just sat down and they said this is where we want these things to happen and yeah. how they want to happen they didn't get on set and say okay that might be good there and there or there and there and I know a lot of that could be well it's CGI characters they can go wherever they want you know at certain points and sure but the director and the DP still have a, a say in that so yeah, let's. I, I was just thinking about people that might be listening that might not have some of the industry lingo down or understand what that what that is. So maybe you could just quickly tag what blocking is. Yeah, sure. So blocking is for the most part it's a film term. Um, I think they might use it in, in in other situations too for like dance and stuff like that. But um, blocking is usually when you have like an A point and a B point, and by A and B I mean your starting point where your character comes in mm -hmm. to the shot and then your your B point, which is your end point where that character is going to finish. And now between A and B, you might have A1, A2, A3, A4, A6, depending on how much movement there is in the scene. Right. So the blocking is just like how they set up the scene for which character is going to be where in, in the composition of the shot. Right. Yeah, it's funny, you know, talking about John Favreau, I can't, I can't get Elf out of my head. <laughs> sure, yeah, I forgot, I, mean, I forgot was, to mention that one. I mean, one. that's yeah. a great classic. Too. Yeah, and I think yeah. it, it's funny because a lot of people maybe don't realize that John Favreau is a huge comedic director. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, the majority of his stuff, even his acting work, was all comedic. Yeah. And then for him to be hired in, I mean, it must have been a heck of a pitch meeting. I can imagine Favreau to come in and yeah. say, I want to do this, you know, this Marvel movie. I want to do the first one. Yeah. But something to think about at the time, you know, Iron Man wasn't as big as he is now. No, he was fourth tier yes. character for Marvel because they sold off all the big ones. Exactly. In the nineties, you know, they sold yeah, Spider-Man to Sony, to Sony yeah. and then 20th Century Fox um, had the X-Men yep. and the Fantastic Four. And, you know, now Disney has got another Infinity Stone by acquiring <laughs> yeah. 20th Century Fox. So yeah. um, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's it's interesting to think that, you know, they hired this comedy director to to do Tony Stark. And 
you know, and then with Robert Downey Jr. now, you can't picture him any other way. I mean, oh, right. Robert Downey is is Tony Stark, and Tony Stark is Robert Downey. For and sure. And and even the push to get Robert Downey, I mean, from from what I understand, he when he went in, preparation that he put in to to, to nail this audition for this particular role, he, he did everything possible. And he was an extreme stretch for them because, yeah, you know, sure. they were concerned about, okay, well, you know, you got kind of a tainted past and, um, you know, kind of a bit of a wild card to some degree, but yet the perfect fit. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody looking back would go, oh, yeah, and somebody else would totally make a better Iron Man. No. Yeah, and I think it's funny because now that Disney does own Marvel, I don't think this movie would have been made if you did it today. Right. With the people that it's with right. today. Right. Um, it would have looked different. It would have felt different. And I don't know if it would have been as successful if they if they tried to do it now. Exactly. Really. I mean, I and I, I I'm I'm a huge Robert Downey fan. And and I think just even this his story arc of from being I mean, I've been a fan since the Brat Pack. I mean, that, that was my era, the whole John Hughes era. I grew up in that. And, um, even to see his journey and the, the challenges that he went through, but yet to rise up out of that and to be, you know, one of the highest paid actors now today. So let's, let's get away a little bit from, from Robert Downey and and his acting. Cause sorry, Robert, (laughs) (laughs) cause I think that's. You know, that that's obvious. Sure. Yeah, that's yeah. the obvious stuff. Yeah. I think that's something that so many people now have, have seen and it, and it it's obvious that it wasn't just a fluke. You right. Know? Yeah. He he is good at what yeah. he does and he's definitely carried this he carried it to a point. And yeah. now I think it's being carried by other people. Yeah. And um He definitely earned the godfather of the MCU for sure. title for sure. Yeah. yeah. Being the godfather of the MCU, you got to hand it off eventually. Yeah. And so the second movie that I want to talk about is Captain America Winter Soldier. Yes. April 4th, 2014, we get a brand new MCU movie. Yeah. That totally pivots the entire feel. Changes everything. Yeah. It's the thing that brought us to the the style and the mood that the MCU is in today. Yeah, for sure. And I think... I mean, Iron Man was a lot more, a lot more playful, and you know, it, it it felt like the movie makers were having fun. You know, we see a lot of these movies tackle these these big cultural issues that that we're facing usually at the time. And the interesting thing about that was is that you know there was this whole cultural issue that they tackled with, you know, the government being corrupted and, you know, um, uh, shield had these, you know, Hydra agents inside. Yeah, the, the, and, the protectors you know, weren't really the protectors yeah, yeah. anymore. And yeah. And, and it really kind of, and the, where it landed up. and, and, and it's interesting because I don't think they, when making the film anticipated kind of where 
that society would be at at that time and it resonated so well for sure with so many people it's kind of a terrifying movie in a lot of ways <laughs> absolutely is <laughs> so i mean not in like the sense of a horror movie you know at all but but we're going to stumble on these major aircraft carriers that they're going to take out the entire world with you know yeah world domination right so winter soldier is the first movie in the mcu directed by the russo brothers yes Awesome. And thank God (laughs) for that. Yep. Not to say that anybody else couldn't have done it, but these guys are on another level. For sure. I mean, just the ideas they have, the way that they're able to execute things, it just seems so effortless with what they're doing. And I'm sure it's a lot of effort. But still, it comes across just smooth as butter every single movie that they do. They have, of course, went on to go do Civil War, Infinity War, and um, they're going to do Avengers 4 coming out next year. Yeah. Um, yet untitled. So Russo Brothers started small, though. Small screen. Yeah, TV. Community. Yeah. Um, I watched Community. Uh, did you watch Community at all? I didn't get into Community. Man, I, yeah, that was one of my favorite shows. It's probably one of my top five favorite shows ever. Wow. So just characters and the overall just design of the show is great. And there's a lot of there's a lot of people in the show. There's a lot of characters in the show. So for anybody that doesn't know, Community is a show that was on NBC for a few years and then uh, had its demise on a thing called Yahoo Screen. Oh, wow. Which came and went faster than anybody could even count. Mm-hmm. And what year was that? Do you recall? <laughs> I mean, 2015, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Cause I think I was here when it happened. So in Phoenix, so yeah. I think it was 2015, but yeah, just the disaster, but that's not the point. <laughs> the, the, the point is that community was on for, I think six seasons. Um, and we're still waiting on that movie, but community had to do with a bunch of people at a community college that were all different types. And this is actually where, Donald Glover got probably his biggest start, um, which Donald Glover is obviously, he's Donald Glover. And Child is Gambino. Gambino yeah. yeah. And then he was also in Spider-Man Homecoming. Yes. Community, though, it, it, you know, it's, I think it's six or seven different personalities. You know, Joel McHale's in there. Um, Gillian Jacobs, who went on to do a great show that just wrapped up um, on Netflix called Love. Um, and... Created by Dan Harmon, written a lot by him, and uh, you know a really talented group of people. And the Russo brothers did probably some of the most memorable episodes that just happened to kind of include some action scenes in them as well. So um, Community was kind of known for its season finales in the first two seasons to be these elaborate like paintball episodes where the whole school is paintballing against each other, and the Russo brothers directed those. And so it's crazy for me to think that they went from directing seven goofballs on a TV set to now they've got the biggest franchise in the universe. The, uh, the director of photography for winter soldier was this guy named Trent Opalock. I think I'm saying that right. Yeah, I believe so. So he is kind of known at least in the industry, um, as being Neil Blomkamp's director of photography for all of his films. Um, which I think those, those movies always look great. And mm-hmm. it was, it, it makes a lot of sense that they went to a guy that, you know, the Neil Blomkamp movies are always kind of grounded in a, in a gritty, um, although I hate the term gritty because now everything is gritty realism. Right. Right. And then 
you know, get or into the DC whole... universe, gritty realism, and <laughs> but it doesn't look real at all. Yeah, because realism isn't gritty we'll, at all. We'll <laughs> talk about we'll talk about DC some other time. That's that's four episodes. In well, is it wasn't three hundred? That that was kind of really the whole graphic novel gritty look where that kind of really got kicked and off. And Watchmen. Well, yeah, yeah which was true. the same director. Yeah. So and yeah, yeah. Trent Opalock, Neil Blomkamp's DP. So he. He brought, I think, a a really interesting style to the MCU so far. The art department in these films is just incredible. It is. I mean, these guys deserve yeah. everything you could ever throw at them, a, a heck of a lot more money yeah. than what they're getting. Yeah. But their character designs and the way that they're, they're dressing people, it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Every character looks lived in and every location looks lived in. And I think that's something that I've I've really enjoyed with the MCU stuff is it always feels like it it is actually in New York, or it is actually in a part of Russia or you know yeah. wherever they're filming it. Yep. And yeah, and definitely I, the styles are, are they're, they're edgy and and work well on film, but definitely believable if you're walking in the street in that same place. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's something I've always appreciated about that they didn't just say, you know, every single time, okay, let's let's just throw them in front of a, a green screen or a blue screen and, and let's just shoot some stuff. No, they went and they locked off, you know, they an entire four blocks of New York City to shoot some things. It's like great, you know, and I th- I don't know if that's the you know it's one of the issues that I have with the DC movies at least that I just can't connect with them the same way mm. from a technical aspect aspect mm-hmm. and that's because they never look like they're actually filmed anywhere right they always feel like they just threw superman in front of a green screen and 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 a little chunk of of cement <laughs> and said now do this right yeah it never feels yeah lived in and real to me and it's funny that that's the way that it is in the movies because it's that way in the comics yeah so marvel has always been about the 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 real guy the average guy, the average American, if you will, because they're all written over here, you know, they're, they're the average person, the normal person that anybody, any of us could be all of a sudden has an extraordinary ability. Right. And I always appreciated that. And, and so that's just a small, small shout out to the art direction and that, you know, that's costumes and set dressing and, and all those guys. They're just, they're just incredible. And the location scout. Oh, location scout. The yeah. location guy that is like, Who's who's the location guy? Nobody brings up the location no. guy, but the the scouts that are setting up these locations are are definitely on point. And I and I appreciate the comment, you know, and even just what you're saying about how it's it's believable. It's in a setting that you're familiar with. It's in a, it's in a you, you could walk out. I remember the first time when I saw uh, as a throwback Back to the Future. Yep. In 1985, I walked out of the theater expecting to see, right, you know, the right. the car driving down the street because it was shot in the sim, you know, in a way that was like, hey, there's a real place, yeah, that that's like that. To your point with the the location and feeling like it's it's real and there's a relatability. I think that Marvel has done an incredible job, even with the characters, like. Yeah, Tony Stark's bank account might not be relatable, but the things that he struggles with, the narcissism, the the um, the benevolence, the you know just wrestling with 
you know, pride and different things in his character that we all relate to. We can all, we all wrestle with at some point in our life. Yeah. There's never a plot point where it's like, Oh gosh, what am I going to, where am I going to put my other 10 cars? Right. It's, it's always <laughs> on a more personal mental level that yeah, anybody can really relate to. And so you, you do kind of get put in his shoes, even if he is a multi-billionaire and you're not. Of course, when he did crash through the ceiling onto the Cobra, my heart sank a little bit. I'm like, not the Cobra. It's okay. Not it's just the a cobra. kit. It was a kit. It was a kit. Yeah. Oh, but it still was painful. I'm or it sure. might not have been. That was Iron Man too. They had a lot of money by yeah, then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So back to Winter Soldier though. Um, Trent Opelok, um, the the DP, he went on t- to stay with the Russo brothers for for the rest of mm-hmm. rest of their MCU days. Yeah, um, Civil War, Infinity War, yeah, um, all the wars. Yeah, so just good stuff. Yeah, I mean, and it's all uh, they all have a very distinct look. Um, Winter Soldier definitely looks different than Civil War. Yeah, the Winter Soldier was a breath of fresh air because one, it was it was superheroes doing normal things. I'm not going across the country or the world, you know, looking for a spy. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it felt it felt like a like a Bourne movie or a, a James Bond movie, but just happened to star Captain America. And I think that helped it a lot. And actually being separated maybe from the comic bookiness of Thor and Hulk, it actually was it was a good thing for it. Yeah. So um, the editor, though, two editors on this. Jeffrey Ford and Matthew Schmidt, these guys are all over the place. They've basically been in it since the beginning. Both worked on every single Avengers movie, every Captain America movie, and then Jeffrey Ford, for sure, maybe Matthew Schmidt, uh, also edited Iron Man 3. Mm -hmm. And so these guys have edited everything that you've seen in the last eight years basically that's been a Marvel movie has been these guys and Dan Leventhal from, from Ant-Man Spider-Man. And I think that they've done such a great job with the use of humor. I think, you know, you mentioned Thor earlier, the first two Thor movies, dark, too serious. And, you know, in, in the, as far as on the P and L sheet landed flat. Yeah. Whereas Ragnarok totally, out, oh, it was out. Like 180. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and there was a lot more, you know, with with Tiki and Brink coming on as the director and um, just. Did you just th- call him Tiki? Yeah, did I? Is it, what, what it, it's, what's his first name? Taika. Taika Watiti. Ta- right, yeah, you know, I just merged it together <laughs> like J-Lo, you know, tiki. it's Tiki. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyways, I mean, I, you know, apparently I pronounce things wrong. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Like, <laughs> you want to get into this? <laughs> do All I right. want to? Do no, you want to? No, but we are. Okay. Here Who, comes. Who's the current Batman? The current Batman is, the actor. is Ben Affleck. <laughs> okay. No, you didn't hear that wrong. <laughs> the current Batman is Ben Space. <laughs> Affleck. Right. That's what I ben said. Affleck. Ben Affleck. But <laughs> because I say it too fast. But Eric here says it as one word <laughs> and then he loses an F. <laughs> no, the F's there. Ben Affleck. There's two. <laughs> Isn't there? Isn't there two F's? Oh, this is funny. Yeah, we had this discussion the other yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Was it yesterday, day before? I'm Googling it right now. Yeah, two F's. So it's Ben 
a fleck. That's what you. That's what yeah. you're going to stick with. Yeah. Unless Ben's going to correct us. I mean, I'm going to correct n- you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's Ben Affleck. Okay, Ben Affleck. Affleck. <laughs> Is that better? Yeah. Yeah. It just it sounds like, like an insurance commercial. I don't. I don't think he would appreciate that. Ben Affleck. Yeah. So, but okay. So who's the, who did the better Batman? Christian Bale or Ben Affleck? Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> the better Bruce Wayne. Okay. Bru- okay. So you're going to say, are we separating Bruce and Batman? Yes, you have to. Okay. I think you All have right. to. If you even get into this conversation, you have to. Okay. By the way, this is a tangent. It is a tangent. This is not on topic. <laughs> but it's geek related. It's movie related. Okay, fine. It's <laughs> and, it's, and it's hero Who, movie who's, related. Who's your best Bruce Wayne? Okay. I definitely give it to Ben on that one. Ben does no, this Bruce is, Wayne. This can be anybody. Clooney. Oh, anyone. Kilmer. Oh, yeah, no. Mm. Clooney did a really good Bruce Wayne. I, I like Don't Clooney. Don't go with Clooney. <laughs> Seriously. All right, guys. That's been the first episode and the last episode. Yeah. Okay, so who's your Bruce Wayne? Who's your best Bruce Wayne? Man, man okay. I think Bale does a really good Bruce he Wayne. He, especially in Batman Begins. When he gets back... And I always think of the the scene where he's he's not he's he's not drunk, but he's pretending to be drunk with the two girls, and they're in the the fountain, mm-hmm. and they're waiting for the car to come in. Yep, that just screams like Bruce Wayne playboy for sure to me. Yeah, and I don't think that that was done properly in any other movie. Right, um, I, I would agree, and I think that's a lot to say about Christopher Nolan giving yes. the character time instead of just worrying about the next action yeah. piece. Because yeah. if you look at Keaton, Kilmer, Clooney, even Ben Affleck. <laughs> Did you just say Ben Affleck? Did you? <laughs> no, I think that was you. <laughs> see, I think, see, it just, it just rolls off the tongue. It, well, it's no, more it seems e- so weird to me. <laughs> so weird to me. Anyways, Ben Affleck. I don't think that they're given enough time to be Bruce Wayne and mm. in, instead of instead of writing a Batman movie and Batman that's Bruce Wayne and Batman you can't just write a Batman movie that's not what everybody wants to see right people want to understand the character they want to relate to the character they want to feel the character Nolan did that yeah Nolan broke it down to this yeah. is Bruce Wayne yeah and then this is the fake Bruce Wayne yeah. that he shows off to everybody else and then this is Batman yeah well Nolan I mean there's I'm not surprised that you pointed to Christian Bale and the Christian Chris Nolan partnership in that because really those the Nolan Batman's yeah how that, do you even compare them to you, anything else they he crushed it yeah he totally crushes it in those yeah. you know like uh, I'll go back and watch those again yeah Dark Knight Rises gets a little bit of hate but it's still an incredible film mm-hmm. from a, for a lot of reasons um, it might not have been the perfect film that you know everybody thinks the Dark Knight is. But it's still just, it's an incredible trilogy that they haven't been able to recreate since. Yeah. And that I think Marvel, I don't I might get some flack, but I don't know if they've gotten, I don't know if they've had their Dark Knight yet. May, well, okay, I take that hmm. back. I think maybe Infinity War might be their Dark Knight. And I'll get into that in a second as to why. I don't necessarily mean that Infinity War is a perfect film, but what I would say Infinity War succeeds at where the Dark Knight succeeded at is being a memorable two and a half hours of your life that you that you go back and you think on. 
Oh, for sure. People that weren't even MCU geeks or fans that went and saw Infinity War that I talked to. A nice segue to Infinity War, by the way. <laughs> I'm killing it. You are killing I'm these. I'm killing this first episode. Um, they, they, their minds were blown. Their mind, like the Russos, just to pull together all those personalities on one screen. In, in, I mean, to to manage all those egos and the ego clashes with 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 Tony Stark and Star Lord and Doctor Strange and I mean just I mean you got a lot of ego going on yeah, in that for sure. and um, which makes for a lot of great comedic moments as well. But I just at without if you haven't seen Infinity War, we're gonna Go, spoil it's, it. It's we out. can spoil Go, it now. Yeah. Like I, I always hesitate to spoil stuff. We haven't. We didn't really spoil Iron Man or Winter Soldier, but we're gonna spoil the heck <laughs> out of Infinity War here in a second. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you haven't seen it by now, I mean, come on, it's on Blu-ray by now. So. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes where you can skip yeah. ahead to see what else we're gonna talk about. Right, that's funny. But you know, people's minds were blown that that weren't huge fans that wanted to see this because it was such. I mean, the. I, the culmination of the last 10 years, not just in the in the MCU story arc, but the culmination of the last 10 years in filmmaking period, For sure. you know, talking about technology, going back to the beginning, the the technology that we have now with drones and all all the, the different stabilizers and everything else that, that we have at our fingertips, as well as on the on the um, editing side and in yeah. post and. I mean, d- even just seeing some of the pictures in the sen- you know, these sensor suits, right? Right. I yeah, mean, they're three three D mapping mm-hmm. of, of. I mean, it's bananas. Yeah, and, and then with that too is you you have these huge lighting achievements that have happened in the last ten years. Amazing. LED has blown up. Ari has fully adopted that. Ari, however you want to say it. The lighting though has has changed immensely. Yeah. So I mean, getting back into the technical side of it, we have LED. Yeah. everywhere now right digital sputnik ari yeah um just an incredible amount and what is it astro star the um yeah Aerostar. I mean, and i mean and that's helium filled led yeah. hmi like who would have thought of that 10 years ago nuts yeah yeah th- th- those guys are killing it and then so you have these airy sky panels and they're LED. They're also RGB, so red, green, blue. They can be any color you need them to be. Mm-hmm. And so now you're filling color in the scene that you might not have gotten easily ten years ago. Right. So you gotta you gotta light these infinity stones. Well, okay, let's bring in an actual green light to give off the hue of the time stone. And it's possible now. It's right. a, it's, it, well, I mean, it was always possible, but it's a heck of a lot easier now. Right. And it's hitting their budgets a lot easier right. now too. Yeah. yeah, and that's a huge part of it. And then so your 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 overheads less, and you make more in the end. And which I don't know if Marvel needs to make any more money. They're probably set <laughs> for a little while. But yeah, what was the hurt. what was the final gross point at least to this point? It Domestic like two, or no overall worldwide? It was uh, like two some almost, two billion three. Is it three billion now? It's not it's that high, but it's high. Okay, so how many times did you see it? I saw it once. In the theater? In the theater. And then I've seen it once at home. I know. I'm shaking my head right now. But you know what? (laughs) My brain's like a bear trap. (laughs) It is. You're pulling out facts from like 10 years ago that are spot on. I'm just, I can't remember my coworkers' last names, but I'll remember some 
gaffer on a movie from 10 years ago. Yeah. It's just the way my brain works. Yeah. I saw it 10 times in the theater. I spent the money. You did do it. I felt like it was appropriate. 10 years, 10 years of the MCU. You got to see it 10 times. I actually did it. I did. Wow. One for every year. Yeah. Like the first seven days I saw it six times. That's disgusting. (laughs) I went every, it was one, I, I think I missed the following Thursday, and I was like, oh. Oh, you, you, you had an itch that you couldn't <laughs> yeah, scratch yeah. I'm like, going oh, through withdrawal? Yeah, oh, it just geez. didn't make sense. Oh, man. So we are 10 years now into this MCU. Thanos, Thanos, however, it is said differently this in the This podcast has now become a, how do you pronounce these words? Yeah, the Easy Pronunciation <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> So Infinity War, April 27th, 2018, 10 years of the MCU, directed by the Russo brothers again, edited again by Jeffrey Ford and Matthew Schmidt. The DP again was Trent Opalock. Yeah, Trent, you are the man. Dude, this movie, this movie is the best looking movie of this year? Did, did, hang on, wait a second. I'm sorry. Let me, let me just make sure of something real quick. All right, well, you're making sure of that. So you talked about what movies you would see leading up to to Infinity War. And some of the advice I've given non-MCU fans was you have to see Iron Man. Iron Man kicks it off. You've got to go see that. Then Avengers. Like I went to Avengers first because that's kind of the collection, you know, so you kind of get the the groundwork for... You get the Mark Ruffalo Hulk. You get thrown into it at least. Yeah. Um, Civil War. Civil War, they got to see. I, I would agree with you from a story standpoint. Yeah. The, and the, that's the yeah yeah and, just and, for and the non yes the non for the non diehards yeah the non geek fan I mean I still have I think I still have my ticket stub like from Iron Man one do you like, really I think I have them all wow so I have to get those out that's but a whole another level of I geek know right I there. keep them all I I I have to say I don't keep my stubs what I know anyways oh and Black Panther Black Panther I think because it sets the stage as far as you know, who Black Panther is, how he fits into the whole picture, and the fact that, you know, half of the battle occurs in Wakanda. So, you know, why a, a Wakanda becomes this right. sanctuary that, you know, Captain America goes for help and that type of thing. So I think those are the good. If somebody that wasn't a fan just needed to get, get up to speed on the story, that's what I've been recommending. So let's talk real quick about the technical side of this. Avengers Infinity War... From just being an incredible amount of CGI in this movie. It I, looks amazing. Uh, yeah, it What's looks CGI incredible. and what isn't? I mean, it's so good. Yeah. Ten years ago, couldn't have done it the same mm-hmm. way. Um, would have been Josh Brolin in a rubbery suit, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and as yoked as he got, you know, from yeah. for Deadpool, he's, he, he, he still wouldn't be Thanos-sized. No, no, no one is. Yeah. So, I, I this movie... This movie made me a believer in in the good of CGI. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's used as kind of a, a cop out. Yeah, huh? You know, we don't want to do that, or uh, we haven't really thought this through, so we'll just kind of CGI it later. But this movie, it's it's clear from the beginning. They were like, okay, this has to be here, and it has to be done this way. We're gonna block it correctly. We're gonna do all this stuff. There's a scene on Thanos's home planet, a Titan where he um, he brings in the moon. He breaks up this moon oh, yeah. with the gauntlet. Right, throws the moon at throws Tony Stark. Throws the moon at Tony Stark. <laughs> and just stuff is just getting destroyed all around him. And then Spider-Man in his, uh, what's that suit called? I can't yeah, even, the Iron Spider the suit. The Iron Spider suit, mm-hmm. thank you. He's 
just swinging everywhere. He's grabbing um, Nebula, Nebula and, and, and um, Mantis Drax and Drax and, and everything yeah. and just swinging through all this stuff. And you're just the camera's just going with you and it feels like a ride. Definitely does. And I saw it in a, in a large format screen with, you know, 20 point seven surround sound or whatever it was, you know, and it's just like, this is amazing. Yeah. And I'm just lit up like a kid and it was so much fun. I loved that scene. And it's, it's, to me, it was a huge achievement in just CGI blocking because the whole thing's fake. Yeah. None of that was real. Right. But the, the character Tom Holland is acting throughout it. Yep. I'm sure they were actually having him swing around on set to get some actual good dialogue, you know, that sounded like he was doing it. Mm-hmm. Put him on a wire. Yeah, yep. put him on a wire and did some stuff with it. And it's just, it's the whole thing is sold so perfectly. And I cannot recommend this movie enough as just the staple of what CGI heavy movies should be. Yeah. Polar opposite. The comparison that everyone brings up lately is the Justice League movie. Oh, which is just a mess of CGI throughout the whole movie. Oh, you mean those other Avengers? The other Avengers, <laughs> yeah, Avengers Team D. Yeah. You went all the way to D. I was going to say the B team. Well, I'll give him a little bit of credit. I like Ben, ben Affleck, so, yeah. See, I told you that's not going to happen. We're trying to make it happen. Um, but, okay, so DC has made some good films. When it was the Nolan Batmans. Sure. And Wonder Woman. Yeah. I don't want to get into this, though. Yeah, yeah. This That's is, another podcast for another day. It's just, it's been beaten to death by everybody out there. and But the CGI point. The CGI, but point, CGI point with the Justice League. Is that Justice League is kind of using it to create whatever they need to for whatever situation they got stuck in. Infinity War feels like it was thought out from the beginning. And they knew where they wanted this stuff to go. And they knew what they wanted it to look like. I mean, like the scene um, that is, I mean, it's probably 98% CGI. Josh Brolin, as Thanos, is talking. And he uses his reality stone to wipe away his background and show what Titan used to look like. Oh, yeah. Destroyed. Yeah, that was cool. And, and the he's dialogue walking with as Doctor he's Strange. talking. And he's yeah. talking to Strange at the same time. All of that. There's so many little things like that that you just... Uh, you might not notice it immediately, but your brain notices it. And you're like, that's just done well. Right. The attention to detail was amazing. And yeah. I, but here, here's the other thing is, is that making the, the big thing, like comparing Justice League. And I think the, the, where, where, they, where they're failing is, is that and where MCU is winning is that they take the time to develop the characters. They take the time for the audience to develop a relationship with the characters. Yeah. Like we've had six movies between Captain America and Iron Man before yeah. we even got to the team, you know, exactly, this big of a team up exactly. And, and I think where, where, where Warner and DC are missing is, is that they're, they're trying to take shortcuts. They're trying to get there faster. Yep. They yep. feel like, man, we're losing. We've lost a lot of ground. They could have been doing the exact same thing with, I mean, the, you know, Hollywood was starved for a new story. 15 years ago they're like reboot let's reboot this let's reboot that and and we still see reboots today but the untapped stories of the comic books that so many people grew up with you know baby boomers and later is you have a hundred years of comics. yeah you've got and you've got a hundred years of storyline to pull from i mean it was a wealth of of material that hasn't been done yet and and i think 
MCU and and the decisions that have been pulled in, uh, you know, from the different directors, from editing, from DPs, they've just been well thought out. They've been well developed over a long period of time. For sure. And and with the culmination of, I mean, you know, we're talking ten years. Ten years in the movie world is forever. Yeah. Like you're like, oh my god. I mean, no. think of it. it if they broke it down into a TV series, I mean, 10 years, it's 10 seasons. Yeah. That's friends. Right. The entire start to finish of yeah. friends. I mean, I wonder if that's how, you know, they pitched it originally was, Hey, we're going to do a TV series, but you're going to give us $200 million to make each episode. <laughs> and we're only going to release two every year. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? Yeah. And then they just went into it yep. and it worked. Yeah. And I think that is, you know, I mean, we're, we're getting into a little bit, but the DC problem is they wanted all of, all of the glory and none of the work. Mm. And they were right in a lot of ways. I mean, Batman versus Superman made a lot of money, but it, I feel like if it would have been earned, they would have made more. Right. You know, start, maybe start with that Wonder Woman movie. Start with that Wonder Woman movie eight years ago. Right. You didn't do it, though. Right. You know, you, you, you started with Batman versus Superman. Right. Basically. And you had Man of Steel, which I think is one of the best-looking movies of, you know, the last few years. Um, but story-wise, wasn't great. Um, didn't make a whole lot of sense. The edit was kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. But and, and, and the problem, too, is you got to overcome all the now, – now there's an expectation. Yeah. Right. The audience is you've been all over the place. You know, Tim Burton, Batman to. to yeah. You don't have a strong Man history of, of your character it's, here. Yeah. I mean, already. Yeah. I mean, there's and I think MCU is using the same actors for the same characters over this entire period. Right. Which they realized the value and I'm sure their their rates had gone up. I'm sure Tony or Robert Downey Jr.'s <laughs> contract for Infinity War was a lot more than it was for Iron Man 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, but, again, it's the long game and not taking those shortcuts. Um, so, you, you know, that audience expectation is, is a huge thing now that they've got to overcome. Yeah. Do, do, can they do it? Yes, but they're behind eight ball for, for sure. sure. Yeah, for sure. So back to Infinity War, what, what is a standout scene to you? Man, standout scene... Um, if you had to just pick one, if I just had to pick one scene, well, probably you know the end the end scene where after the snap, if if talking Thanos's home yeah. planet or the no, j- j- well, yeah, because there's multiple scenes, but it's and they're the dusting, yeah, right, yeah, where everybody vaporizes mm. into spoiler in, alerts, everybody yeah, dies, yeah, um, <laughs> except for your OG Avengers, that's that's pretty much all that's left, yeah, uh, but the. It, if, so if I'm just going to pick one scene, so you, I mean, I have to separate it from most memorable. Most memorable is um, Black Panther dying. Really? Black Panther. Black Panther was the biggest shock to me because Black Panther vaporizes before Spider-Man vaporizes. So here, here's here's what I think happened there <laughs> is I don't think they realized Black Panther was going to be as successful as it was. And they filmed and they it already before. already had those scenes done. Yeah. And they filmed and they it like, before. Oh, crap. <laughs> Uh, Black Panther just made a billion dollars. Right. And we're doing and we just two. killed him off. Yeah. We need to announce two. That way people don't. Which. Know. So do, do they. Well, I think Avengers 2 or Infinity War 2 Endgame, whatever it's going to be called. 
it happens before the next Black Panther. Yeah. But I know Spider-Man Far From Home releases before. So that's going to be interesting. I think the most emotional scene. So if we'll t- if we'll, so I'm going to break this up in a few different ways. Yeah, this is cheating. <laughs> yeah, it's cheating. Most emotional scene for me, obviously, Spider-Man, Iron Man. I mean, they, they developed this kind of like father-son type of relationship. And why, why do you think Spider-Man was the last to go? I, I'm not sure, but it was the most emotional. Like watching Black Panther vaporize was a shock. Again, coming off a of Black Panther movie and how well that did. And just the resonation of, of that character and that whole, I mean, Ryan Coogan blew it out of the, out of the water. Oh man, he's great. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the that was the biggest shock to me but the biggest emotional pull was when spider-man and it took him longer to vaporize i don't know if it was the iron spider suit or i have a theory and i don't know if i've heard it somewhere else yet but i'm pretty sure it's because he wasn't vaporizing yet but his spidey sense could feel it happening ah, before mm, so he vaporized like, when he vaporized yeah because it was like what's but happening he could already yeah. Feel it coming because yeah. of the spidey sense tingling or whatever. Oh. You know? I think that that's my personal theory. I don't know if anybody's confirmed that or anything, but that's my head canon at least. Yeah, I like it. I liked it. Yeah. I, it made sense to me. That makes sense, especially since they introduced spidey sense in the beginning of the movie. Right. I thought maybe there was a tie-in there. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, but if I was going to pick one scene, it would probably be the when. Um, Iron Man's fighting Thanos on Titan. And he's just getting his butt kicked. Yeah. yeah. But, but like, he brings it, you he, know? Oh, yeah. Like, when he comes... Like, everything when, he's like learned he's like, over the last... Yeah. Throw another moon at me, and I'm going to lose it. Like, you already <laughs> lost it, Tony. Like, yeah. come on, you're, you're, yeah. you're in the game. And, and I mean, he, he got some good licks in, but, you know, and Thanos is like, wow, all that just for a scratch, yeah. you know? And then, obviously, we know what happened there. Um, but I think just the respect that Thanos had for for Stark and that whole thing. Yeah. So I was like, ah, yeah, that's right. I mean, I'm a huge, I mean, Tony Stark's my favorite. I know that there's a, there's a big chunk of the end scene where people are disappearing. There is no sound. All you hear is kind of the city. There's a certain scene I'm, I'm referring to here. You hear the city, cars crash, a couple characters get out of their car and they witness a helicopter spinning out of control runs right into a building blows up all you're hearing is just the chaos of the world of missing half of its population in an instant hmm. and you know the guy that kicked it all off in, in iron man one samuel jackson's nick fury nick fury yeah has a modified motorola pager <laughs> Straight 90s. Straight up. Straight like, 90s, but clearly it's been adapted for Shield or something. Yeah, there's some kind of mods there's to it. There's some weirdo yeah. mods to it. So at the end, he, he pulls out his pager. Page is Captain Marvel. That's the next uh, That's the next MCU mm-hmm. Marvel movie coming out. Um, we do have Venom next month. I think it's next month. Or yeah, October. November, yeah, October. Yep. Um, I'm not excited for that at all. I think it's going to be a heaping steamy pile of crap. <laughs> Why? Because Sony's doing it? Because Sony's doing it, and Marvel doesn't have their hand in it at all. And um, uh, I, I, I like I like Tom Hardy, though. I really like Tom Hardy. Is, is, what is that accent? I, I, I don't what know. What is that but voice? I like Tom Hardy. The writing. Anyways, <laughs> we'll have an episode on it. I'll have to unfortunately see it for this podcast. <laughs> 
But the next MCU movie, because that Venom is not in the same universe. It's in some weird Sony alternate universe. Thank right. goodness. <laughs> For now. For now. <laughs> Until Disney buys Sony. <laughs> well, I'd be fine with that Infinity Gem. Um, Captain Marvel, though. Captain Marvel. That's where we're at next. Yep. That's the next MCU. Which she just donned the, the cover of EU, EW yep. Magazine. Yep. Entertainment Weekly just yep. had her. Um, I'm excited for this. I am too. I don't know a whole lot about Captain Marvel. I looked into it a little bit, but I, you know, then I decided ah, I'm not going to, I don't want to spoil it. Pretty excited about this though. From what I've read, what I've seen so far, um, Ronan is coming back from Guardians Galaxy Volume 1. Uh, Kree. Right, yeah. And um, she is part Kree. Right. But I'm excited for this. I, th- I like the actors. I like the the stuff that I've seen so far. The Entertainment Weekly stuff looked pretty cool, different. Um, definitely sticking with more of a Guardians Ragnarok vibe, it looks mm-hmm. like, with color. Yep. Yeah, man, it's just it looks cool. So I'm excited for that, that being the next uh, MCU movie coming out. And then, of course, right after that is Homecoming. Yep. Uh, I think two months far, later. Far, far from home. Far from home. Sorry. Far from home. Spider-Man, apparently, is in London. Spider-Man London is far from is home. Far from home. Spider-Man Two: London Boogaloo. Right. And, we, we, yeah. and we've seen leaks of Samuel L. Jackson on Samuel L. Jackson's Instagram account, as well as Tom Holland. So you know, those we, guys can't keep they, anything under yeah. wraps. Tom well, Holland's the worst. <laughs> yeah. But, but it, he's the best. It, yeah, it's kind of you know, it's tongue in cheek. It's kind of fun, you yeah. know. I think now they just give them scripts. They they give them stuff on. They're purpose. gonna start. They're gonna start handing them like scripts that were written like the '80s for Spider-Man, and mm. he's not gonna have any idea. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's awesome. gonna be great. It's awesome. So, um, so then after Far From Home, Infinity War Two, Avengers Four, yeah, Avengers the End Game, however they're gonna call it. Uh, I like the End Game. And I think we're gonna lose our OG Avengers. I think so, too. I think that's going to be it. But we'll get into a predictions episode when we get closer to that. Yeah. And um, that's that's it pretty much for the MCU. So the next big thing coming out, well, comic book nerd-wise, would Predator. be Predator. Predator this week. Yeah. Got to go. You hate Predator. I hate Predator. <laughs> I totally hate Predator. So I like the first I'm one. So I like the first one. Oh man. First one was good. Loved the action. But it was it was to me when I saw it, it was a mindless action flick. There Ah, it, there's more to it than there that. There is more to it. There's more to it. And than I that. didn't know that. I and you know, I'm I'm willing to admit ad, admit there's more there. And yeah. I do like the cast of this new one. Yes. We're going to watch Predator. Yes, we are. Predator 2. Okay. Predators. Okay. And then we're going to go see The Predator. Okay. And then we're going to talk about it next week. All right. So you're going to want to make sure and be here for that because Eric's going to hate it. I'm going to hate every minute of it. And I'm going to love gonna... every second. <laughs> it's going to be great. Awesome. Anyways, thank you guys. This has been the Easy Podcast. We'll see you next week. We're talking about The Predator. Take it easy. All right. Out. Peace out. Did I just say peace out? <laughs> is, there, is there a better way to close that? Is there a better, like deuces? <laughs> we out. <laughs> You're going to leave that in there, aren't you? <laughs>